right. Uh, good morning, everybody. All right, we'll go again. Come on. Every week it takes two tries. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. Okay, all right. <clears throat> don't forget, you can chat away to me while I'm talking. I don't mind, all right? Um, I deal with a four-year-old. I get a lot said in a day with someone talking over me, so don't worry about that. Um, I trust that you're all doing well. Yes, it is my birthday today. Yes, I was not planning on that, sharing that information with you. Um, uh, but I figure to talk on your birthday is great because no one can give you bad feedback. Who wants to ruin your birthday? Um, so I'm just going to take a free swing today and you can just enjoy it. And if you don't, you can't tell me. It's my birthday, all right? I'd also like to point out to you, it's Sally's birthday in just less than two weeks, 13th of August. No, thanks, Ken. No, no. <laughs> um, 13th of August, put that in your calendar. It's Sally's birthday. She's, she's 35 too, okay? Um, and um, now here's the thing over the summer you may or may not have realised we uh, don't have a sermon series we ended in Acts and we kind of have five weeks where the people speaking have been just encouraged to share what's on the heart bring whatever feel God's speaking to them about Um, so this morning we're going on to David and Goliath Um, probably one of the best known biblical stories Um, I think everybody in this room even if you've never read your Bible will probably know the gist of the story of David and Goliath and even if you don't know the gist of the story if you've never heard the story uh, you probably understand the term uh, David and Goliath Um, any football fans in the room Um, just me yeah Um, I was counting on you putting your hand up John Um, football fans in the room every year there is the FA Cup isn't there and uh, many of you will remember the glory days of the FA Cup when it was a full day thing and BBC kind of sketched out a whole day for the FA Cup final. But every year, um, what happens is, is the lower league teams are pitted against, they hope in the draw they're going to get a ginormous Premier League team. And in 1992, I'm just going to pick a random one, 1992, January the 4th, Arsenal went up, uh, the current champions of England. Any Arsenal fans in the room? Just John? Yeah. There's going to be a prayer corner for you here afterwards. You will be black and white in Jesus' name. Um, And uh, Arsenal, the current champions of England in 1992, January the 4th, right in your calendar, uh, went up against the mighty Wrexham, who were sitting bottom of the fourth league. Can you believe that? And at the race course ground, the race course ground, John, do you remember this day? Yeah, you were 65 that day, 1992. And... Uh, and the mighty champions lost 2-1. Can you believe it? 2-1. I just, it was never a penalty. <laughs> uh, just going to throw that out there as a random date. But what do they call it when that happens? A real David v. Goliath. Yeah, a real Goliath killing, right? Like the, so even in the secular world, this term is used, David and Goliath. This secular term, in the secular world, this term is used every year. You'll hear it this year when the FA Cup comes around. The real David v. Goliath, that one. And <clears throat> this is the thing. Even the w- people who wouldn't call themselves Jesus followers would understand this term. So I know who I'm speaking to this morning. I know I'm speaking to people who know this story really well. You've, you've had the Sunday school lessons, and then you've had... Um, you've had sermons on it, no doubt. I was trying to think about how many people may have preached on this over the years. Um, but 
but this is the story that's been retold again and again and again. And this morning, we're going to look at it again. Okay, so what I want you to do, just try to do, is just try and take out all of that stuff that you already know. Try and treat it like a new story. Because I want God to speak to us afresh this morning. I really pray that God speaks to you afresh this morning about this story. So I'm going to pray real quick. I'm not going to read the whole thing because that would be the morning, um, but I'm just going to read a section of it. I encourage you to follow me along. Um, Nikki made me very aware this morning, and it's, because, it's my fault because I did the slides because Tom's on holiday, um, that the font is very small. We'll just have a look at it, Nikki. I, I decided... This was an encouragement to bring your own Bible, okay? So um, that's all it is, really. It's, it's just an encouragement to bring your own Bible. And um, if you can read it, no one likes to show off, so don't say it, okay? <laughs> um, but no, it's, um, it's a bit small, so sorry about that. But I am going to read it to you anyway. So let's pray real quick, and then we're going to read through it. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, your word is magnificent. It speaks to us. Your word is alive. It is the living word of God. Father, would you make us thirsty for you? I thank you, Lord, that Jesus said, anyone who is thirsty, let them come to me. And Lord, we say to you this morning afresh, we are thirsty for you. So come and speak to us about you, Lord. Come and speak to us about your love for us, about what you've accomplished for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Okay, so 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 51 is what we're going to go through. David said to Saul, we're kind of jumping halfway into the story here. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned to me, I seized it by, the, by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. And the Lord, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his, on his sword over, over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with a shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked at David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and very handsome. I love that detail. And he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Sorry. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and all those gathered here will know that this is, it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran, over, stood, ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheaf. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Whew, it's quite a story, isn't it? So here's the thing. There, there is a whole scene, whole scenario going on here. On the one side, you've got the Philistine army, the people who are coming against Israel, God's chosen people, and they are locked in conflict. So you've got Saul's army on one side, the Philistines on the other, and they, have, uh, they are meeting in the valley of Ella. It's this tiny stream, and on both sides you've got a hill, and they're both on their hill. And we're introduced to Goliath in, in verse 4, a champion named Goliath, it says, who comes from Gath. It's a lovely place. Came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. That's about nine foot nine in new money. And he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor, a bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. His, 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 his armor alone weighed about 175 pounds. Just to put that in perspective, I'm, I'm just under 200 pounds. So his, his armor alone weighed about as much as me, just a little bit more, a bit, little bit less than me. So that's just his armor. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like that of a weaver's rod, it said. And its, and its iron point, just the point of the spear, weighed about weighed 600 shekels, it says, 25 pounds. So just his spearhead and his armor weighed more than me, okay? So we're dealing with a, a Goliath here. We're dealing with a real Goliath, the Goliath, actually. As, uh, and his shield bearer went ahead of him. And it's actually the shield bearer, the term used here is actually a full size shield it's the shield that was carried in front of him they often missed that out on the kids illustrations but not only was the Goliath but there was a shield bearer going out ahead of him holding his shield and the and the shield is about the height of a normal man right so you've got a whole scene here can you can you imagine the intimidating uh, scene that you've got and Goliath comes out every day for 40 days and he shouts to the Israelites challenging them and this this is a common thing right in the in the eastern world there and then if if they could save a whole army from having to fight and more blood being shed than they needed to they would if they could pit two fighters that were willing to go against each other on behalf of each army then they would do that and the israelites it tells us were dismayed and terrified dismayed and terrified now i just want to point something out to you here okay You've got this imposing sight, and it's worth mentioning a few people that would have been in this camp. So the camp of the Israelites, first of all, you've got King Saul. King Saul, okay. He's the king, right? 
I'm going to say that again. He's the king. He's the fighter. He's the leader. And, and we know from chapters 9 and 10, the writer's already told us that Saul, one of his defining features is that, that he's what? Anybody? Say it louder. He's tall. Yeah. Saul is tall. Rhymes. Saul is tall. The writer's told us that twice already before this fight. The thing that defines Saul, right? With David, they go, hey, he was a handsome man, right? But with Saul, he was tall. And what's the fighter that he's, who's, who's the guy who's coming out to challenge him? What's he? He's tall. <laughs> and Saul is the representative of God to the people. And yet, what does he do? Does he go out and fight? No, he doesn't. And not just that, his son, Jonathan, in chapter 14, so just a few chapters before, Jonathan, with his armor bearer, he kind of takes on a whole Philistine crew and masterminds this, Philo- this kind of Philistine fight and defeats them. So you've got Saul, who's the king, who's taller than everybody else, a head taller, it tells us. Then you've got Jonathan, his son, who is mighty and strong and can defeat you know, large groups in the Philistine army on it single-handedly. And then you've got another guy called Abner who later would go on to fight one of uh, David's strongest guys and just defeat him easily. Abner's this really skilled fighter. And yet no one, no one from the Israel camp would go and fight Goliath. You know, and I was thinking about this, this this week. You know, in your life, the reality is is that you will have Goliaths. We all know this, right? We all know that our life is full of Goliaths. You might have health issues. You might have financial problems. You might have relational issues. You might have things that are just so overwhelming. Anxiety, depression, worry. We all go through these moments, don't we? Anybody not had a Goliath in their life? Just give me a wave. Yeah, everybody. Give me a wave if you have had a Goliath in your life. Yeah, thank you. Have a look around. Everybody's had a Goliath. And here's the thing. Maybe for some of you, you've had a moment in your life where you've needed protection. You've needed somebody to go and fight for you. You've had a moment in your life where you've needed someone to, to care for you, protect you. And maybe there's, there's a person in your life who's calling, whose very responsibility was to be the person to fight for you, to go for you, to take on the Goliath for you. And, and maybe that's a parent, maybe that's a, prof- a professional, like a teacher, someone who's put in authority over you, just like King Saul was over the Israelites, someone who, who was supposed to be that person who looked after you when the Goliaths came. And maybe in that moment, th- there was other people too, that, that could have stepped forward for you. People who were friends or people who were skilled in that area that really could have stood, stood their ground and helped you. You know, like, like Abner and, and Jonathan for the Israelites, they might not have been the person that, that was supposed to step in, but they could have stepped in. They could have helped. They were supposed to be the people you could count on in moments like that. And not even those people helped you. You know, when, when I was um, 13, um, looking back at my life now, it, it, it looks very complicated in my childhood, but back then it felt very simple. 
Um, my younger brother, um, AC, or Andrew, as he's actually called, um, myself, um, we, had, um, we had our dad that we used to go and see on weekends. And, um, and we used to live with our stepdad and our mum. And when I was 13, um, I hadn't been, we hadn't been going to see him for a while. Um, he was a drunk, still is a drunk. Um, and, and we just stopped going to see him on weekends. Uh, when it, so we stopped probably when I was about 11. And when I was 13 years old, my mum calls me in from playing in the street and she says, hey, come, come in. Uh, your dad's coming, he wants to tell you something. And, uh, and he came in and he, came, he said, I, I've just come to tell you that I'm not your dad. Um, when I was 13, and uh, man, I mean, I could go into my passport, I'm not going to, but my whole life seemed to unravel in that moment. Like the very people that I thought just loved me and cared for me and protected me and, you know, kept me away from bad things or were supposed to, I just felt so betrayed, so let down. And, 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 and it's not just that. You've probably had an experience like mine where you, you felt like, man, you were supposed to help me there. You were supposed to damage me like that. You're supposed to protect me, not lie to me. Not, you're supposed to step up and deal with it. And it turned out that my dad got my mum pregnant when she was 15 and he just didn't want to know me. Still doesn't. Um, just didn't want to know me. And instead of my family telling me the truth, they just told me a lie. And it was so hurtful as a 13-year-old boy. My whole world came crashing down. And, and maybe you've had a moment like that where you just felt like a Goliath smacked you in the mouth and nobody stood in the way to help you. Not a parent, not a, not a carer, not, a, not even just a friend who you thought would be there. Maybe you just had a moment where you felt like everybody abandoned you and just left you. And what happens to the Israelites as a result of Saul not stepping forward, of Jonathan not stepping forward, of Abner not stepping forward, nobody stepped forward, is what do the Israelites do? Well, for 40 days, they stood in their tents, scared, worried that they might be chosen to go and face this Goliath. And, and, and maybe that's your experience. You've been smacked in the mouth or been left vulnerable by people that you thought were there to care for you. And as a result, what's happened to you is you're like an Israelite scared in your tent. And you might do a really good job of pretending you're not. You might do a really good job of actually, I'm not afraid, I'm not hurt, I'm not vulnerable. And it demonstrates itself, that fear demonstrates itself in all different ways in your life. It demonstrates itself in different ways in my life over the, the, you know, the years I've been alive, apparently 35, as you all know. But, but you, you know, actually what happens now is you're quick to become angry. You're quick to be, you're anxious all the time. You find yourself anxious and you don't know why. But deep down, actually, you're desperate for a hero. Like, I'm just desperate for somebody to step forward. Well, the good news in this story is there is a hero. And, and I just want to make sure of something before we kind of move on in the story. All right, I'm going to kind of take some of your Sunday school lessons and kick them out the door at the moment, all right? So here's the thing. It, in this story, okay, we, we so often, if you go down and buy a Christian book about David and Goliath, generally the moral of the story is, is that 
you can defeat Goliaths if you trust in God, right? That's kind of the moral of the story, right? Okay, L- let me just be really clear about where this story's going. You're not David in this story. You are not David. And you are not gonna beat Goliath. That's not what this story is about. It's not about if you just trust in God, you can, you can take his sling and whoo, chuck a stone at his head. You're not David in this story. That's not what this story is about. You know, the same night I found out about my dad, I'd been going to a youth group um, in, in Redcar. And the same night I found out about my dad feeling sad, lonely, shaken alone, was when I turned to God and I asked him if he was real, if he would come into my life. And in that moment, I found a true hero. In that moment. He came into my life and he rescued me. That was 22 years ago now, and he is still my hero. Rescues me all the time. And going back to the story of David and Goliath, the hero, he comes from Bethlehem, a shepherd. Uh, Didn't look, wasn't much to look at, wasn't much more than a boy. And, you know, he's small and handsome, but not much more than a boy, but he was called by God to come and rescue God's people. And Saul, what does Saul try and do? He tries to put his armor on him, doesn't he? He tries to dress him up in his armor. The very armor Saul should be wearing to go out, he tries to put it on David. All right, you go. (laughs) God be with you, you know, all that sort of thing. And he tries to put it on David. There's a whole, I could do a whole sermon on this piece just right here. You see, the disciples tried to do the same with Jesus. They try and make their savior into what they want him to be. Saul tries to make the savior Israel in this moment into who he wants him to be. Oh, you're just gonna be dressed in my armor, but you're gonna go and rescue the people. And then the disciples, man, they want Jesus to be like this conqueror that will kick out the Romans and then, you know, one will sit at the left, one will sit at the right. That's the main priority in this whole thing. Like, Jesus, we want you to be our savior, but we're gonna kind of dress you in the way that we want you to be dressed up. And actually in our lives, there's a whole thing in there, isn't there? When we ask Jesus to come and be our savior in our battle, actually we try and say, okay, Jesus, will you come help me with this? But don't talk to me about this part of my life, okay? Because actually this bit's not up for grabs. But if you could just help me with this problem. He's not just a, you know, he's not just a problem solver for you. He actually wants to come into your life and be your savior, your king, not just the savior of the bit that you need saving from, but the whole thing, trust me, you need help with, right? And Saul tries to dress him in his armor to make him the savior that he wants him to be. And David said, I can't, I can't like have the sword. The sword doesn't work for me. The, the armor doesn't work for me. And it's the same with Jesus. You know, the, the disciples and at one point, we find out in the Gospels that the crowd want to make Jesus king. They want to force him to be king. It's just before Jesus sends his disciples out on the water and he walks out to them. And they want to force him to be the king. And Jesus is like, no, 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 I'm not going to be the savior that you want me to be. I'm going to be the savior that you need. I just want to, look, this isn't in my notes. So Nikki's wondering where I am right now at the back. But I just want to say this. I felt God speak to me so strongly about this in the car this morning. Jesus isn't willing to be the savior that you just want him to be. He wants to be the savior that you need him to be. So trying to dress him up. Here's the thing, I promise you, no matter how blue you are, Jesus doesn't vote conservative. And as much as it breaks my heart, he doesn't support Newcastle United. 
or Arsenal. Definitely not Arsenal. Stop trying to dress him. If you notice, Jesus always agrees with what you agree with. If you notice that, if Jesus was here, he would do it like me. <laughs> he wouldn't, by the way. <laughs> the disciples were pretty shocked about that. And so were, the, so were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were confused by him. Stop trying to dress him up. He's not, he's not your puppet. He's your king. Let him have the crown. So what happens? David says, I can't wear this. How am I supposed to wear this and fight? I, I, so he drops it all and he wears his simple garments and we read, <clears throat> he goes down to this brook and he picks out five smooth stones and he has a stick in his hand, shepherd's stick, and he has another stick in his hand that has a sling on the end of it, this little slingshot. And he takes these sticks <clears throat> and he and, and he walks towards Goliath, and as Goliath sees him, what does he do? He, he says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And he scoffs at him, and he laughs at him. And you see, Jesus would do the same. He, he, his disciples wanted him to be this military leader, didn't they? And David and the, David and the Philistines uh, in the time, he wanted to be like David with the Philistines, to go and kick the Romans out. In David's time, it was the Philistines that were the issue. In Jesus' time, it was the Romans that, that were the issue. And the disciples wanted him to be this big military, take up your sword and fight, you know, lead the people of Israel. And Jesus wasn't interested in that. Je Jesus had a bigger Goliath to kill. You know, since the fall, since Genesis chapter 3, when Adam chose to disobey God and to ignore God's wisdom, and to choose instead to, to go with what he felt was right. Sin has entered this world, and it has separated us from God since that point. And, and ultimately, sin leads to death. It leads to separation from God now and for all of eternity. Yet Jesus would come and kill that Goliath, kill the thing that stands in between God and his people. And that was what Jesus was concerned with. The only thing that Jesus was concerned with dealing with was to deal with a true Goliath that stood in our way. And David approached Goliath wearing these simple garments, not dressed as a warrior, but as a shepherd. Not, and not with a sword, but with sticks. And there's something about the foolishness of David in this moment. What looked like foolishness that just makes Goliath laugh at him. <laughs> Right, like, look at you. Am I a dog? You come at me with sticks? And like Jesus would experience when he attacks sin and death, stripped to his undergarment, born in Bethlehem, the true shepherd. He's carrying wood in his hands in the cross. As he walks towards Golgotha he's crucified where people laugh at him and scoff at him go on then you're the Messiah bring yourself down from the cross ha how pathetic you look look at you you don't look like you're winning now 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this for the message of the cross is foolishness 
to those who are perishing. The people that don't understand what Jesus did, the cross looks like embarrassment, looks like humiliation, looks like foolishness. David walking towards Goliath with his stick in his hand, with his shepherd's bag on, with a few stones, with his slingshot, he laughs at him. You look stupid. Look at you. Like you can defeat me. And Jesus, stripped, humiliated, carrying a cross. Look at you. You look ridiculous. But he wasn't ridiculous. You see, Jesus was victorious. David would be victorious. David is the image of the coming Messiah. And just as David succeeded in killing Goliath, Jesus will always win the battle. You see, when we realize that we need a savior, Jesus will win for you. He will. We can so, be, so often be lured. Look, honestly, I mean, I have a real bugbear <laughs> with Christian books uh, written by a certain genre of people who want to make money, or do make money, don't want to make money, they make plenty of money, out of telling you, this is how you're going to make your life better. <laughs> Here's 10 simple ways to have success in life now. This isn't the gospel message. It's all about Jesus. The moment you hear anything other than just Jesus, if it's Jesus plus anything, that's not the gospel. It's not right. Everything is about Jesus. You're not the giant killer. He is. You're not David. He is the greater and better David, the true king who would truly trust God right to the end through every test, every trial, and we can be lured into thinking, right, great, thank, thanks, Jesus, that's my salvation sorted. Woohoo! Stamp my card, I'm going to heaven. Brilliant. Okay, now, right, that's sorted in the pocket. It's kind of like bullseye. Here's, here's what you've won, that's safe, it's in the pocket, right? Now, okay, right, the Goliath here, all right, you just need to try a bit harder. All right, you just need to work a bit harder, surround yourself with the right team, have the right physio or for your, for your injury or have the right doctor for your, for your problem that you've, that you've got, the, you know, the medical problem that you've got. You know, you just need to see the right counselor and you'll have that all sorted. You'll be a well put together person all of a sudden. Oh, anxiety, no problem. Yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we can deal with that, no problem. Just go and see a hypnotherapist. You'll be sorted in no time. Right, here's the thing. It's not about surrounding yourself with the right people. The Israelites have learned that in this moment. Like, we got Saul. He's a, he's a head taller than everybody else. He'll let you down. Jonathan, he'll let you down. Abner, he'll let you down. People will let you down. It's not about you just trying harder, being a better person. Work a bit more. Then you'll be all right. Then the Goliath will fall. No, 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 that's not what this story is about. And here's the thing, don't, don't hear me wrong. People can help you. You're supposed to live in community. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But they will let you down. They will hurt you. Your parents will hurt you if they haven't already. I'm sure they have. Your children will hurt you. Your teachers will hurt you. 
Your social worker will hurt you. Your boyfriend will hurt you. Your girlfriend will hurt you. Your wife will hurt you. I could go on and on and on. Everybody will hurt you. Everybody will let you down. But Jesus will not. The reality is that before long in life, you will find yourself hiding in a tent like the Israelites. Verses 51 to 53, what we see is the Israelites, they stop pretending with David that they're okay, that they don't need him. You're all right, you're just a boy, right? Even his brothers put him down. Like, what are you talking about? You can't fight him. You're not the right person. King Saul, like, you're just just a boy. You know, all right, well, let's dress you up the way I want you to dress you up, right? It's 51, 53, where they stop pretending that they are their own heroes and instead they let God give them the hero that they need. And, and, and you know it's what happens at the end. I'm, I'm just coming to the end here. Do you know it's what happens at the end here? That they go from being, being cowards, hiding in their tents. And when David chops off the head of the Philistine, of Goliath, he's dead. They go from being these cowards in their tents to being these people behind David, chasing and plundering the, the Philistines. And they defeat them. Can you imagine the scene of these soldiers hiding away for 40 days? And yet in this moment, they're empowered to conquer. Not because they've won the battle, but because their hero has won the battle. Their hero. They were conquerors because, not because he had won the battle. Their saviour had won. Romans 8, 37, 39. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are more than a what? All right, this has got to be a battle cry, people. Come on. You are more than a? Right, all right, we can do, oh my, it's like a library. Okay, all right, one more time. Take a deep breath. All right, you are more than a? That's right. And not because you won, but because he won. We follow Jesus and we share in his victory. We no longer need to be scared and hiding away in our tents or anxious or angry or afraid or feel ashamed because he has won everything. And, and, and we know that when we, when we admit that we need him and ask him to come into our lives, there is nothing in heaven or on earth that can stand against us. People let you down, parents, family, friends, professionals, psychiatrists, teachers, counselors, social workers, social services, but he never will. You will face Goliaths in your life. You know that. You, you are facing Goliaths in your life. You walked in here this morning with a Goliath in your life, but in Jesus' name, in his strength, that Goliath will fall and will be killed. Amen? I'm going to finish by just two quick things. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. One is, is that <clears throat> I'm going to finish by asking, have you ever welcomed Jesus to come and be your hero? You can be a conqueror because of him. Not because of you, but because of him. And maybe you need to know this morning, maybe you face the Goliath of shame, knowing what you've done in your past, and you think, man, if I, I could just 
I just want that removed from my life. I want to know that I'm in good standing with God. Well, this morning you can. And you can thank God that he sent a savior onto the battlefield to, to, to win your soul. That for all of eternity, you can know that he is your conqueror and you stand as a conqueror because of him and nothing in heaven or earth can ever separate you from his love or from his presence. If that's you this morning, if you need to know the love of Jesus, come forward and let us pray for you. And for some of you in the room, you already know Jesus as your conqueror. You already know Jesus as your savior. But man, is there a Goliath in your life that you just need to deal with? And maybe this Goliath, it comes out and it's a sin and it taunts you every day and it beats its chest and it says, come and fight me if you can. And you're just left cowering in your tent. And you're like, I just can't beat you. I've just tried for years and years and years. I've, I've tried to deal with it and I just can't. You won't. You can't. You can't beat it. But that's okay because he already has. And he takes you from being scared in your tent to your sword in the air, saying, in Jesus' name, I'm conquering you and I'm plundering your camp. Enemy, get back in Jesus' name because he is a conqueror, so therefore I am a conqueror. I want to finish by just reading this to you. Phil Moore, theologian, he, he wrote this. He wrote, for we have not been called to be heroes who achieve great things for Christ in our own strength but receive great things from Christ in his. When we shift our attention onto him, like the Israelites in this chapter, shift their attention to David, he enables us to rise up and shout and press our hero's victory home.